from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast Quad Indo Pacific kshetra ke liye ek constructive agenda lekar chal raha hai इससे क्वाड की छवि एक फोर्स फॉर गुड के रूप में और भी सुदृढ़ होती जाएगी दैट्स प्राइम मिनिस्टर नरेंद्र मोदी एट द मीटिंग ऑफ द क्वाड ऑन ट्यूसडे द ट्वेंटी फोर्थ ऑफ मे द लीडर्स ऑफ द ग्रुप ऑफ फोर नेशंस यूएस इंडिया ऑस्ट्रेलिया एंड जापान मेट इन टोक्यो एंड केम अप विथ टू मेजर रेजोल्यूशन They announced the launch of a maritime initiative to combat illegal fishing and pledged 50 billion dollars to develop infrastructure in the Indo-Pacific region. While the Prime Minister was in Tokyo, India also became among 13 nations to sign up for the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework that has been launched by the US. To make sense of the outcomes of this meeting and the trade deal, I'm speaking with Indrani Bagchi, who is CEO of Ananta Center in Delhi. She explains the significance of these resolutions. the role india will play in implementing them why the quad won't grow anytime soon and what the new trade framework means for india indani this is the second quad meeting between the leaders of united states japan india and australia and they've launched a maritime initiative to combat illegal fishing and pledged more than 50 billion dollars in developing infrastructure in the indo pacific region how big are these measures in the current scenario frankly the importance of this particular quad meeting is more than just the agreements that were signed and uh, i would say that uh, at the top of the list would be the a global commitment that the indo pacific remains the focal point for global geopolitics the russia ukraine war notwithstanding and uh, i say this because when the russia ukraine war started back in february um there were m- many commentaries that uh, came by saying that this is uh, the end of the indo pacific because the U- us doesn't have uh, the attention span to do both uh, euro atlantic uh, and indo pacific but clearly the Uh, attention of at least the four preeminent powers of the world and of this region shows that their attention remains focused on the Indo-Pacific. Uh, that is the biggest takeaway from the Quad uh, Leaders Summit. Uh, second, this was the second in-person summit in just over six months. That says a lot. The challenges in the Indo-Pacific. remain the preeminent global challenges uh, and that is something that the quad leaders sort of emphasized to go back to your question um, the agreement on uh, illegal fishing is actually very interesting and it's very important because which is the country that does rampant uh, illegal uh, fishing in the world and it's china if you read the media from south america you will find that their challenge at this point is uh, chinese fishing vessels just off the, their coast basically trawling up anything that they can be the second is on infrastructure now infrastructure has been a recurring theme in the quad meetings the infrastructure initiative of course i mean it, it doesn't take 
rocket science to say that it is sort of aimed to counter uh, Chinese infrastructure processes in the region. If you drill down into the agreement of the infrastructure, you will find it talks about uh, sustainability. It talks about, uh, you know, staying away from debt, uh, predatory debt servicing, uh, which is a hallmark of Chinese uh, lending for infrastructure and um, uh, infrastructure that matches uh, demands of the particular country, of the particular area and, you know, being less trophy uh, projects. Also helping out countries, small countries, uh, to use international funds for infrastructure without fearing that they would be sacrificing their sovereignty or that they would be sacrificing, you know, their financial stability uh, for infrastructure um, lending. This is basically, I mean, in the context of Sri Lanka uh, and how Sri Lanka has uh, come a sort of a poster child for what happens when uh, internal corruption meets Chinese predatory lending. Another agreement that we saw was the one on uh, maritime, on sharing maritime domain awareness. Now, there are no details for that, but uh, if you know, India has the uh, Information Fusion Center uh, in Gurgaon, which collates information and intelligence on maritime security. I think Singapore has a similar one. So, uh, clearly, the Quad will have to work with other countries like Singapore to be able to um, spread out uh, in terms of uh, harnessing uh, MDA, uh, maritime domain awareness, uh, sharing of information, sharing of intelligence, um, quick responses, all of that. Could you explain what this means for India? Because um, when it comes to, say, illegal fishing or maritime domain awareness and even the Indo-Pacific region, it's not really India's sphere of influence, right? Or even infrastructure funding to some degree. So what does India do in all of this? Oh, it is actually very much. India is actually the heart of the Indo-Pacific. Because the Indo-Pacific can cannot happen without India. I mean... It's just in the, not just in the name, the fact that uh, the geographical spread is from Indian Ocean, the Eastern seaboard of Africa to the Western Pacific. That's your, that's your playing ground, so to speak. So without India, there is no Indo-Pacific. And when it comes to illegal fishing, so Bay of Bengal, which is rich in fish, is still a, um, a, a happy hunting ground for the Chinese. And that's something that we need to stop. But on maritime domain awareness, it's very important. I mean, India is a maritime power. Between the Bay of Bengal, the Indian Ocean, the Straits of Malacca, we are everywhere. Uh, and if we don't share maritime domain awareness uh, information with like-minded partners, you know, we will be blindsided if the Chinese are doing things that we do not like. So yes, it's very, very important for India. And India plays a big role because remember, India actually uh, has a very sophisticated Navy. So um, China has always termed the Quad an anti-China body um, and all the members of the Quad do have something or the other that is an issue with China. 
uh, what will this grouping be doing going ahead then? Well, again, just like without the without India, there is no Indo-Pacific. Without China, there is no Quad. Whether we uh, say it aloud or not, or whether we articulate it in any way, the fact remains that these four countries have come together to create a kind of a counterbalance to Chinese hegemony, Chinese expansionism, uh, and basically the fact that it is this 800-pound gorilla in the room that uh, that these countries have come together to form what we call a balancing factor. What do we do about it? It depends on how the Chinese go ahead. If they continue to be aggressive, if they continue to, if they believe that they can take over uh, Taiwan, for instance, um, in in a in a conflict situation, we will have a completely uh, big crisis on our hands. Um, however, uh, the, among the other things that that in the Quad is doing and will be doing is to counter Chinese power in many different ways. And China is still predominantly an, in an uh, economic power. Hence, the, uh, the two big ones that you saw on both investment, uh, on infrastructure, and on the Indo-Pacific Economic Partnership. Are there other things that the court would have liked to have taken up that maybe have been put on hold for now? Say, for instance, uh, uh, the the question of the expansion of the court. Uh, I mean, there has been talk about bringing South Korea in. Japan is certainly not uh, enthusiastic at all about it. I think even India is uh, less than enthusiastic about uh, this. So I think the idea is to keep the quad as with the four countries as it is. And I think Kurt Campbell put it well uh, last year when he was asked the same question. He said, we have we are we are still get building the habit of cooperating with each other. I mean, remember that out of these four countries, three countries are Cold War Treaty allies. We are the outliers. So our, everybody's systems are different. Everybody's interests are different. Everybody's in a different part of the world. So for these countries to come together, to build the habit of cooperation, to build the habit of sharing, to build habits of, you know, this is in your interest and not in my interest. So can we find a middle way? All of these things take time. For instance, and I'll give you an interesting instance. In the middle of the war in Ukraine, and the Quad leaders meeting happened uh, yesterday. Uh, Ukraine was on the agenda, but Ukraine didn't occupy too much of space because two things. One, every there's a recognition that the biggest challenge is still China. The second was they were respecting India's sensitivities. So, you know, you're getting slowly getting into the habit. I want to just press a bit about this fact that Japan and India don't want additional people. Wouldn't getting more people into a sort of quad plus grouping increase the heft of it in a sense? It may not. It may just become too too big to handle or too big to be. Like, look at ASEAN. When has the, when was the last time the ASEAN took any decision? Because these are ten countries of the same region coming together, supposedly on the same page. They cannot take a decision because all 10 countries never agree on any one thing. 
So the European Union also runs into similar problems. So in a way, it's a good thing because what we have is a is a is an informal group. It's not a treaty. It's not a treaty alliance or anything. It's an informal grouping. And where Quad Plus is concerned, you know, we've already had two, two or three Quad Plus uh, projects uh, with uh, New Zealand, with Vietnam, with South Korea, with Israel, with uh, Brazil. And the idea should be that we bring in countries uh, for specific projects and they go out uh, others come in for other projects, but the core will remain the core. Has India sort of weathered that storm where everyone seemed to want India to condemn the Ukraine invasion and um, now and India couldn't and now it's gone to a stage where India can kind of flow ahead from that position? One is Ukraine didn't occupy that kind of space. Two, um, India has condemned the aggression. Because just by referring to sovereignty and territorial integrity and even saying at the BRICS meeting that we should not violate uh, this, um, India has uh, sort of made its stand clear. There are reasons, as you well know, why India will probably not be able to openly uh, castigate uh, Russia. But I think on the ground, you're seeing a greater movement. India's own positions have changed. If, if you look at India's position in the first week of the invasion to what it is today, uh, there is a very big change. I mean, there's a very big evolution. Even India has moved. So uh, basically, the others are just cutting India some slack on this, knowing that there is a legacy issue, knowing that there is a historical relationship. I don't know whether we weathered the storm. I think the fact that the sanctions are on in Russia, I think the fact that um, Russia itself has made itself so difficult to be a friend of right now, uh, it doesn't put India in a very good place. Uh, but when it comes to explaining why we are in the position that we are, I think we haven't done too bad a job. Another major announcement was India joining this Indo-Pacific economic framework. Uh, could you explain what that means in the scheme of Indo-US times? The Indo-Pacific economic framework or IPEF um, is not a free trade agreement. So it doesn't talk about market access. It doesn't talk about lower tariffs, both of which are difficult political cells in say, a country like India and a country like America. Second, what are they looking at? They are looking at down the road, like day after tomorrow, a new world economic order which is being built as we speak. And this world order comes from the three big geopolitical shifts in the last few years. One is uh, covid it completely changed the way we think about uh, trade, about supply chain. And second, uh, the Russia-Ukraine war, which has created global inflation, maybe getting into a recessionary phase. The third is uh, the, the growth or the uh, expansionist growth of a Xi Jinping-led China, um, which has prompted many countries 
to look for a China plus model. And uh, the fact that when you lower your tariffs, etc., you end up, at least countries like India, you end up with cheap Chinese ex imports and which hurt domestic industry. It's the same in many other parts of the world. The rules for that order will have to be set. So the Quad at the IPEF, which is with 13 countries as of today, we are in this at the start of the game right now to set rules for several things, to set rules for financing, to set rules for uh, reliable supply chains, for, to set rules for uh, debt sustainability, uh, green growth. Um, how do you work on green growth among all these countries? Then anti-theft of intellectual property. And we are at the beginning of the game. So it makes sense for the Quad to be at the so-called at the creation so you set the rules, you set the uh, guardrails for economies to progress. Free trade in the way that we knew uh, pre, say, 2018 is actually an idea that's dead. I mean, Trump killed it in the beginning and everybody else has followed suit. Um, so we don't have that anymore. That world is gone. There is a new world that we are looking at right now, that we are in right now. And somebody has to set the rules of the game as we so the IPEF begins the process of setting the rules of the game. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe, and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas, and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.